Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Houston Rockets last night. Final score, 134-124. It was a good game. It was uh, not a lot of defense being played in that game, that's for sure, but it was still a fun one to attend for a variety of reasons, including the return of one Jamal Murray. That was awesome to see. Uh, everybody was hyped up for that one and had a major scare at the very beginning of it, uh, but it was still a good thing that Denver got to get their guy back. After 12 games, missing Jamal Murray, and he comes back and... Uh, We'll talk about that debut, we'll talk about that return, we'll talk about what happened, we'll talk about why Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter were as good as they were last night. I've got some takes on that, uh, and we've got some other things that we can go over too, including a new bench rotation uh, that did not feature Peyton Watson. We'll talk about why in this game, or in this podcast. Everybody, make sure to hit that like button, that subscribe button down below. That would mean the world, of course. Uh, really do appreciate it. Um, all right, let's get into this game. Interesting one. Denver came out firing, absolutely. Although I was a little bit distracted at the beginning because two minutes in, after returning, after kind of getting involved right at the beginning... Jamal Murray gets into the post, his first post move of returning from his debut, or returning to his debut, and immediately turns an ankle. Just immediately. It's like he it's like he's cursed. It's like he's not allowed to have nice things. It's like Nuggets fans are not allowed to have nice things. He goes into the post, tries to post up his guy, turns an ankle, and it looked like he did way worse than that at first glance. Uh, I was on the other side of the arena, so can't necessarily speak to what other people saw when they were down there, whether they were able to see the ankle turn. I did not see the ankle turn. I thought he re-aggravated the hamstring. Matt Moore sitting next to me thought he tore his Achilles. So, like, there was there was some very massive concern from that side of the arena, to be clear. And then the way that Murray was moving at the beginning of, of just when he uh, hurt himself again... It was still very scary. It was still a very scary moment for a lot of people in the building. Ultimately, it was fine. Ultimately, Jamal still played 22 minutes. He gutted out what was probably a pretty more painful ankle sprain than I think people gave him credit for. And it seemed to give him trouble post-game as well. He was not in a good spot. He was very frustrated post-game. And just the talk about it was uh, just very... Uh, it, it was not good, and I think that there is a possibility that he does not play on Friday or Saturday. We'll wait until the injury report comes out the, later this afternoon before kind of making that determination, but it was still nice to see Jamal, and uh, even though throughout the game it looked like he was moving pretty poorly. Uh, he was moving great at the beginning, like right before he turned the ankle, and he did relay that the hamstring like says he feels fine, says he feels perfectly fine uh, with that, and then that he was, that, that wasn't the issue, it was just clearly the ankle turn, and that's got to be frustrating for somebody who had spent 12 games off, and then taken time to work his way back into things, so 
Uh, I feel for him for sure. He will be fine, though. The Nuggets will be fine. It's still early on in the season. And I think it just the way that the last three games have gone, in general, just on an aside, Denver wins this one pretty handily. Uh, they won the LA Clippers game, which was a game they did not expect to win for obvious reasons. And then they took advantage of a of a San Antonio Spurs team right before that. You go on a winning streak, and it gives you a little bit of leeway. So if you need to sit Jamal Murray here and make sure that he gets back from the hamstring or from the ankle sprain, fine, you'll be okay. Uh, if they had lost that Clippers game, and then your your record is twelve and seven as opposed to thirteen and six. There is just a slight little difference there. So I know that not a lot of people will think about it that way, but Denver earned some credit with their ability to get a win that nobody really expected them to. So that should help them long term. I think that um, just kind of talking about Jamal, going inside the arc, he wasn't great. Like he, he just wasn't moving that well. And he was very much... Um, he was limiting his movements. He was limiting his movements to what he needed to do versus what he could do versus what he had, like not had to do. Uh, there was a conservation of momentum, if you will. He wasn't closing out that far. He wasn't going back and forth from the paint to the three-point line defensively or anything like that. He was doing his job, trying to uh, play as, as best as he could in that situation, but it was still clearly a labor to try to, pl- to try to play defense, to try to run the traditional offense, even if he still managed to put up a pretty good numbers, put up a pretty good stat line, 16 points, six rebounds, six assists. I made mention of this in the game yesterday, is that the bench kind of, they misses rebounding. Like, look at the bench rebounding totals. I'm just looking at the box score here. Zeke Naji had three, DeAndre Jordan had one, uh, Reggie Jackson had two, Christian Brown had three, Julian Strother had one, Braxton Key in garbage time had one. Murray had six. Murray was very helpful as a rebounder in just 22 minutes. And and his ability to add just another layer of help on that rebounding side of things is a big deal. Like Reggie's like for as as well as Reggie has done kind of scoring and playmaking, he's not a rebounder in any way, shape or form. That dude is smaller and there are certain things that he can do, but he just doesn't really have a nose for the basketball in the way that Jamal does. So that is at least some aspect of, hey, when you stagger Murray with the bench, this is one thing that he can really help out with. So I, I wanted to make that clear. Also, zero turnovers and six assists in 22 minutes. The Nuggets offense was humming. They were absolutely humming, and it was nice to see Jamal back out there kind of setting the table for the rest of the team. He had some really, really great passes to both Murray and Jokic, uh, or to both MPJ and Jokic, excuse me. And that was a great aspect of things that you just never really fully appreciate. So I was overall impressed with what happened. I was overall impressed with how he handled things, despite the fact that you turn an ankle real quick. He's never going to complain, but he was clearly frustrated for sure. I mentioned Nikola Jokic. We should probably talk about his stats. <laughs> like That dude was unbelievable last night uh, and took some things personally against Alperen Sengun. Um, 33 minutes, 32 points was a plus 29 in his 33 minutes in a game that the Nuggets won by 10. So 
in the 16 minutes that Jokic didn't play, they were a minus 19. Uh, that's a big deal. And look, Denver earned some credit from that Clippers game. I don't want to just sit here and uh, say, oh, man, now now they like you don't want to just blame everybody outright for not being Jokic. Uh, Denver's got to still figure some stuff out. They can't be minus 19. Like they could be minus 10. They could be minus eight. Minus 19 is too much. Uh, and part of that was garbage time where Denver was minus nine in three minutes. Uh, but with Jokic, the stats are incredible. 32 points on 12 of 19 from the field, one of two from three, seven of eight from the line. Really, really efficient shooting night. 10 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. Only had four defensive rebounds. 15 assists. 15 assists is a crazy number. And he did it with zero turnovers. Denver's offense was humming. And they really took advantage of the space that Houston allowed them on on that side of things. And also... Just not having Aaron Gordon out there at the power forward spot, I do think that that impacted some things in a positive way for Denver. There's not really somebody for Aaron Gordon to guard on Houston, and so there's not necessarily a reason why they ha- why they have to clog the paint in in this kind of matchup. So in a way, not having Gordon was nice, uh, especially against a, a Rockets team that had forced Aaron Gordon to struggle a little bit. Uh, Jabari Smith did a great job against Aaron Gordon when Denver was in Houston. Jabari Smith did not do a great job against Michael Porter, nor did Dylan Brooks, nor did anybody else on the Houston Rockets. We'll talk about Mike in the second segment, but uh, I was just very, very impressed with Jokic. His ability in the pocket, I have this quote from... Um, I have this quote from Michael Porter. I, I asked both him and Jamal Murray about Jokic in the pocket where you get that pocket pass into the middle of the floor. Uh, it's kind of around the, either the middle of the floor or the elbow area. If you're running a side pick and roll and Jokic just has this runway where he can either toss up the floater or he can read the floor based off of who's in front of him and kick it out for an open three or a cutter or something like that. And Porter said in the pocket, he's the best in the world at that shot. Probably the best ever to touch a basketball in that pocket pass with that floater. And it's true. Like Nobody else can really compare. His efficiency on those shots in comparison to the rest of the league is laughable. It's just disgusting. And to see that consistently is always a boon. It's always very helpful. It's one of the reasons why Denver is such a threatening team. is because they're able to live with the shots and actually thrive on the shots that so many other people are not. So many other teams really struggle with how many, how many like bigs and and centers can you actually give five to eight floaters a game in that floater zone? Maybe they turn it into a jump hook. Maybe they turn it into, Hey, we're just going to drive through the defense and try to lay it up. Maybe they try to go over the top and dunk on somebody. Jokic never does that. Although he did dunk on Shangun last night. That was pretty cool. Uh, but what, what Jokic does is he takes that easy, consistent shot every single time with that floater, and he has perfected it to the pl- to the place where nobody can question whether he should take that shot or not. He is always good to take that shot. And when you have something that everybody knows is going to go in, it causes so many problems for the opposing team. Like, they have to account for it. They have to overcorrect for it. And then it allows for open shots for everybody else. So. 
When the ball gets into the middle of the floor for the Nuggets and Jokic is on the move to the rim, it is Denver's best place as an offense. It's not when Jokic is uh, posting up. It's not when Murray and Jokic are just running two-man game at the top of the key. They have to get into the roll, and Jokic has to get below the free-throw line. That is where they are at their most dangerous. And you don't always go to your best stuff. That's something Matt Moore and I talked about last night. You don't always have to go to your best stuff, especially during the regular season. But just know that when the playoffs come around, that will be where Denver tries to get the ball every single time. And if they are successful, they're going to win another championship. It's just how it's going to go. All right. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about Michael Porter, especially Michael Porter at power forward. I thought that that was a very, very interesting part of the discussion here, as well as the bench rotation and just what it means for the bench rotation to be where they are. But first, everybody, you can refer a friend and earn $50 this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share the promo code with friends, and you will get a $50 bonus for every single person who registers using your code. That is not just one $50 segment. That is several $50 segments if you continue to refer all your friends. So make sure to win money wagering, and you can also win money referring this year with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Really appreciate the love. All right, let's chat about Michael Porter, who was one of Denver's best players last night. Uh, the only reason he wasn't their best player was because Nikola Jokic exists. Like, that's a, that is a high bar to have to cross for most people. And Porter got close. He really, really did. He was unbelievable at the beginning of this game shooting the basketball. And... I think a lot of it came down to him being the four as opposed to the three. Michael Porter at power forward is such a dangerous thing for a lot of people. Like it's such a dangerous thing for most teams to have to deal with. And it got me thinking, man, I, I haven't done this, but I will at some point. If I were to catalog every single starting power forward and every single starting power or every single starting small forward in the NBA, like, 30 power forwards, 30 small forwards. Is Michael Porter, is his profile, is his physical profile more similar to those small forwards or more similar to those power forwards? I got to think it's the latter. I got to think that he is much more similar to players physically at the four. And his skill set kind of fits there too. And we've talked about this on the show a little bit where with Gordon not out there, Porter I think is moving to a position that is more comfortable for him. And and he actually said that post game. He was pretty honest post game. It was a really good Michael Porter uh, discussion uh, and and media session. He says he's very comfortable at the four. That he's perhaps more comfortable at the four than he is at the three. And part of that 
is because asking power forwards to chase him around screens, to chase him around the perimeter where he can get off his shot is really tough for those guys. It's really tough for most players. Now, it does create some issues with Denver kind of on their defensive side. It's one of the reasons why Denver gave up 124 points was because they didn't have Aaron Gordon out there. And he he would be much more helpful in some cases defensively than Porter would be. But uh, it was still nice to see Denver's spaced out floor and just everything that they were able to do offensively. Because like I talked about with the shooting pocket for, uh, or not the shooting, like the pocket in the middle of the floor for Jokic, that works better when there are three guys on the, or four guys on the perimeter, as opposed to somebody in the dunker spot where, okay, you have somebody else kind of rotating over to provide help. That's where Aaron Gordon would be most of the time. And with Porter, he's on the perimeter or he's cutting from the perimeter where it's harder for teams to kind of read that. So I was very impressed, very impressed with the way that Denver played it last night with Porter at the four and then Justin Holiday at the three, which, I mean, Justin Holiday just fits right in. That dude is very, very good. Um, but Porter's numbers, 30 points is a plus 26. That's a pretty impressive number. Holiday was plus 27. Jokic was plus 29. Those guys fit together really, really well. Um, Porter, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal. 5 assists for Porter is a pretty impressive number. And he his passing has improved. I don't think people realize it because there are too many times where he has 0 assists or 1 assist. And I'm not really surprised in those moments because most of the time in Denver's offense, his job is to finish the play. His job is to shoot. If he is given an opportunity, a breath of daylight, then his job is to shoot. But it's not all he can do. And like he, he showed it last night in a, in a complete game. Because 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists is a true complete game. How many times Porter has had 5 assists in his career? Uh, this may be like a regular season career high for him. It actually wouldn't surprise me if it was. I know he had 6 assists in the finals last year. Uh, or... The conference finals? No, I think it was the conference finals against the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 3. But if I go to Michael Porter's season high, or his game highs, okay, he had five assists. And actually, he's had five assists multiple times. But it is, like, he hasn't had more than five assists in any one particular regular season game. So, interesting to see. I wonder if he could break that. I wonder if he could cross that. And what that would kind of look like. But like Porter's continuing to evolve. He looks good. And I have been very impressed with the way that he has handled himself and the way that he has progressed. He talked also last night in postgame about how he doesn't watch film after wins. He doesn't watch, or not after, like where he plays well. He doesn't watch that film. He only really watches the game film of when he struggles. And he seems like a meticulous worker, somebody who is just grinding for the best possible outcome most of the time. And he expects for that possible that possible outcome to be great every single time. It is not like laudable for him to be successful. Now when he doesn't when he doesn't have that success, he's always wondering, okay, why did that not happen? So I think that's interesting. I think that's an an interesting layer to his uh, personality as a basketball player. So 
No, he is he has been very, very good. The Nuggets have been great with him on the floor lately. And uh he is just I think he has turned a corner at least a little bit. Currently, Porter is averaging 17.6 points, 7.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists. So not like a career high there or anything, but he's averaging more assists than he did last year. 47.4% from the field, 39.7% from three. Porter has evolved into those better shooting numbers after what was a slow start. So he is firmly back on track. And if Murray is kind of struggling a little bit, or if he just wants to continue to facilitate a little bit more, Porter is going to be more than obliged, more more than happy to hit those open shots if they are created for him. So he's going to take advantage of the space that, that happens when Gordon is out. I really do believe that. Going to be interesting to see. Uh, Jeff Green, I do want to mention, Cedric mentioned this in the chat. Uh, Jeff Green did get his, uh, he did not get his ring last night. He did return and he, Jeff Green played pretty well. I was pretty impressed with some of the shots that he was hitting, but uh, Jeff Green is, did not get his ring because the NBA decided to add a couple of games to the schedule, one for the Rockets or one versus the Rockets and then one versus the Clippers. He, uh, he decided that he didn't want to get it tonight. Uh, Cedric, he did not get his ring because he there was a there was some family travel concerns. I, I wonder if he didn't think that there would be enough people there last night and he, and he wanted certain people to be there when he did receive it. So I I don't have the specifics of like hey, who wasn't going to be there? What what happened specifically? I don't know, but that was the reason that was given to me is that they are moving it to a different day and it was interesting. They were propping it up all pregame, basically. And then it never actually happened. And I was wondering, why didn't this actually happen? And then we got the actual answer to it. So he will get his ring, I believe, on December 8th, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that might be, I, I think it's December 8th. Gosh, if it's if it's not December 8th, I will be frustrated. Yes, it is December 8th. That is when Denver plays Houston during the in-season tournament kind of quarterfinal, semifinal mix. Uh, they will be playing on those days along with other teams. So should be interesting to see. Bench rotation. Um, the five guys off the bench that played last night were Reggie Jackson, Julian Strother, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, and DeAndre Jordan. Um, it was a curious thing. I, I was surprised that Zeke Naji played, at, especially at the power forward position. I thought that it would be DJ, uh, but I thought it would be Peyton Watson after the game that he had played. Michael Malone explained this post game and said, you know what, uh, Peyton, he came to me and he said, I'm not feeling good, coach. I'm not going to be able to give you the energy that you're needing. And Malone was thankful for that. He was thankful that Peyton was honest and that he just, if he wasn't up to it physically, he decided to get Zeke out there. And I, I thought it, was, it yielded some interesting results. It yielded some interesting time where, okay, you see what happens when you've got two bigs on the floor at the same time. Now, there were... A couple of plays that I do want to point out. There was one where basically they set a double screen, a double, uh, yeah, double screen basically, and both of them rolled to the rim. Like there was no reason for both of them to roll to the rim. Zeke basically followed DeAndre to the rim for some reason, um, where he should have clearly popped into space. But and so there are going to be some kinks to work out there. If Zeke is going to work 
for the Nuggets. I think he has to be able to play some four. I really do. I think he's got to figure that out. And it would not surprise me if the Nuggets tried to work that in over the course of these next couple weeks, next couple months or so, where when DeAndre does play, maybe they try to keep Zeke in the rotation in some capacity at various points. And they say, you know, we're going to try to get you to shoot. We're going to try to get you to space the floor a little bit to keep your defense on the floor because there was some good defensive possessions from Zeke last night. Now, they, some of them came at the five. Some of them came, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, where Denver really tried to lock in defensively a little bit. Um, but it was interesting. Uh, I'm not surprised that Reggie and DJ were the pick-and-roll duo, but DJ only played six minutes. He didn't play in the second half because Denver wanted to defend a little bit better, and I think that they did. They had Porter at the four. They had DJ at the or they had uh, Zeke at the five. And then they had Julian Strother, Christian Brown, and Reggie Jackson. Actually, no, they had Jamal Murray at the, on the floor at the beginning of the quarter. So interesting to see where you put Jamal out there, you put Mike out there, and then you put some other bench guys out there. That was a good rotation, and I, I liked what I saw from that group. Um, but Piwat, I think, will be in the rotation next time. I think Piwat is going to be, if not a staple, at least a consistent part of things. I think if I had to rank who is most likely off the bench to play, Reggie, Christian, Julian Strother, and then Peyton Watson. So those four, I think, are your most likely four to be playing most consistently. And Zeke is going to be after that. It's going to be kind of a a matchup thing between Zeke and DJ. Like, is the other team, because Malone talked about this. He talked about, man, Houston, they like to switch everything, especially with Jeff Green. If they have Jeff out there, if they have Tari Eason, they stagger Jabari Smith with that group. Okay, you've got six, uh, three different six foot eight to six foot nine guys out there. Might as well just run Zeke out there as well because there, there's no space for DeAndre to roll into if everybody is just switching. So that's kind of a tougher assignment for. Uh, DeAndre especially, because all those guys can space, all those guys can shoot, and I thought that Jeff really took advantage of of that extra space that that was allotted for them. So, uh, Jeff Green, 12 points, 4 of 6 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 3 from the line, 1 steal, 1 block. Like, Jeff was great. He was one of the only guys that you could really point to on the Rockets and say, oh yeah, he was he was locked in on both ends of the floor. Uh, that was pretty interesting to see. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this sort of breaks down. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what happens if Murray misses more time, uh, what happens if Murray plays, how the team is going to react in both of those cases, and what to expect over this weekend back-to-back. But first, let's go to a message from Scott the Huff. Good stuff. Everybody make sure to like and subscribe to the video down below if you're listening. Really appreciate all the love and support. Alright, let's wrap up here. What happens if Jamal has to miss more time? What happens to the rotation? Fortunately, Denver has a lot of experience here. They have a lot of uh, understanding of how the rotation patterns generally go if Murray's out because they just live through it. Uh, 
Denver has to face Phoenix on Friday and Sacramento on Saturday. If you look at the standings, both of those teams are pretty close to the top and have been for a little bit here. Um, let me just pull this up here now. Uh, Denver is now 13-6. and six. They are second in the standings. Uh, Phoenix is fifth. Sacramento is sixth. But both of those guys, both of those teams are seven and three in their last ten games. Uh, they have been playing good basketball. Now, curiously, Devin Booker rolled his ankle on Wednesday night too. Not sure why that happened. Not sure what happened. But on the same night that Jamal Murray rolls his ankle, Devin Booker rolls his ankle, and they both have to play each other on Friday. I'm not sure what the severity is of Devin Booker's ankle. He finished that game and gutted it out too. So I think both of those guys are looking at the next game on their schedule and are like, okay, I have to be ready for that game. And they're trying to play through it. They're trying to uh, not let it kind of swell up a little bit. And, and it's not a surprise. Like they're, they're competitors. They're trying to do what they can. Uh, it is very curious to see how those teams will react to each other. But the Suns have been playing great basketball before losing this last game. I think they had won seven in a row. So Denver has their work cut out for them. And if they do miss Jamal, if, if let's say Booker plays and Durant plays, let's say Jamal doesn't. All right, so kind of comes down to if Aaron Gordon's going to play, right? Like, how is that going to work? What, what is Denver going to do against Kevin Durant if the only guy who can really guard him is Michael Porter Jr.? Because you don't have uh, Jeff Green anymore. You don't have, uh, like, you've got Peyton Watson. So maybe that's a, a good candidate to come back in if, if Peyton Watson starts feeling a little bit better. And he is going to have to play with that energy. He's going to have to play with that physicality. It's against one of his idols in Kevin Durant. So that would be something that I'd be concerned about there. But kind of going back to Murray here. These two matchups against Devin Booker and then De'Aaron Fox, those are tough matchups if you're hurt. They just are. And I'm a little bit worried. I, I know I'm generally a worrywart in a lot of ways. Like I, I'm generally more pessimistic, but just from a physicality and an athleticism and a competitiveness standpoint, Murray is going to go out there and he's going to try to gut it out if he's, if he's allowed to. And if I were Denver, I would be pretty cautious at this because this is game 19 and game 20 of the season. And yes, you are facing two guys that Jamal is certainly competing with for an all-star bid, certainly competing with for all NBA stuff. Uh, if he misses out on both of those, then there could be like that. That's stressful. I think that's stressful for him. Like there's, I know there's certain goals that he has and like, you don't just want to say, okay, he, he can definitely achieve it without being successful in those games. So it, for me, I would probably sit him in at least one of them. But it really does come down to how he feels. Like, I know a lot of people like to joke about, oh, man, the injured Jamal is the best Jamal. Like, he, he really guts it out. He really puts on a show. And it was funny. Hit that half-court shot, basically, last night in the first shot that he took since he hurt himself. So it was it's funny to see how that kind of works. But... I would be cautious. I would be concerned. I would try to uh, play that by ear, just like, hey, if if there's any sort of hurt or pain, there's no reason to push it in game 19 or game 20 of the season. Like, this is a long year. You do not want to sustain a major injury because you just had one where 
It was a month. It was a month gone. And you don't want to be out a month again. So I'd just be smart. Uh, but Denver has an opportunity over this weekend. Let's say Aaron Gordon comes back. Then they'll be mostly full strength in that, in that case. But I think that they did figure some stuff out over the course of these last three games where got to playing a little bit more free, got to play a little bit more uh, loose and with the spacing and having some fun. And anytime you put up 37 assists compared to four turnovers, those four team turnovers, uh, that's going to really be like, it's a pretty special number. So yes, the defense was bad, but Denver's still figuring some stuff out. And I think that they figured out enough at the beginning of this year that they can go into these games with some confidence. Even if they're on the road, even if they haven't played their best on the road, I think that they can go into these thinking that they can win. And with the way that Reggie has been playing, you might as well give them an opportunity. Like, there's, there's no reason not to. So I am excited to see how they approach these two games. These kind of feel like measuring stick games in a way. I know not a lot of people will approach it that way, but Friday's game is going to be on national TV. It's on ESPN. And Saturday's game, I think it might be on NBA TV, but those are going to be fun games. And the way that Sacramento just played against Golden State, that's something fun to consider as well. So I'm looking forward to this. This should be a fun weekend for the Nuggets, or at least a telling weekend for the Nuggets. Hopefully they come out of it with at least a win. And we will see what happens when they approach it. So, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pick, Axe, and Roll. Really appreciate you stopping by. Make sure to hit that like button down below on the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening on the Apple side of things, the Spotify side of things, the Pocket Cast side of things, make sure to give it a like and a follow there as well. Really appreciate it. Share it with a friend if you like Nuggets coverage. If they like Nuggets coverage too, always trying to share out the good work that I do. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, we'll talk to you guys very soon.